You are listening to a message from City Church, located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. For more information on City Church, or for additional resources, including service times, recommended readings, and additional audio, please visit citychurchpa.org. I want to welcome you this morning. Thank you so much for worshiping with us and uh, uh, just singing to the Lord Jesus. And once again, do not look at that as something small. Uh, you and I today, as we were singing, were joining uh, in the choir of angels and joining in, in the church, Big C, uh, in singing and proclaiming praises to God. Um, so, so. So that's something very big. Um, if you do not know me, my name is Raphael, and I'm one of the elders here, uh, one of the pastors, and I'm privileged to open God's word with you today. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open to Exodus chapter 33, uh, that's where we are. That's where we are, and we will be. Um, the passage has been read already, but I'm going to take some time to read through it again. Um, and, and this is actually uh, from verse 12 to verse, uh, verse 23, uh, and I'm going to read. It reads this way, and Moses said to the Lord, um, look, you have told me lead these people up, but you have not told me whom you will send me with, whom you will send uh, with me. You said, I know you by name, and you, have, and you have also found favor with me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, and that I will find favor with you. Now, consider this nation is your people. So if you're, if you're with your Bible and you're underlining, just start underlining all the places where God says, I, where Moses says, you say, you know me, um, the way the word know is, and then where the word favor is, because that's going to be very important today. And verse 14, he replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And 15 says, if your presence does not go with, um, does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will, will be distinguished by this from all other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing that you've asked. For you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Right? Moses said, please, let me see your glory. And he said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name, the Lord, before you. I will be gracious to, to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live, right? And the Lord said, here um, is a place near me. You can stand on the rock, on the cleft of the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you on the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by, and I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, and my face will not be seen. 
right? And, it, and obviously here, God is using um, uh, what we call uh, descriptions of human beings to describe himself, even though we know that he is spirit. Uh, in theology, we call it anthropomorphic, where God has to describe himself as almost like a human being so that we can comprehend um, and then so, so if you were to walk away with anything today, it's going to be this right here. Uh, from what we see after in this text, after God tells his people he's not going to go with them, that's what we looked at last week, Moses intercedes and he pleads with God to understand his ways, to go with his people and to show him his glory. So out of this, if you have looked uh, very closely, uh, one of the best ways to actually understand what is the passage about is to see what is repeated within that passage and and here we get to see that word favor and God saying that I'm going to reveal myself to you as gracious uh, it really just gets to show you that uh, grace is the basis of communion with God if you can walk away with anything that's going to be what we're going to be focusing on today that grace is is the basis of communion with God that grace is the platform by which we get to communicate with God when we find ourselves in various situations and so um so what you get to see here um here are the, just a few key observations here that God has said, I will not go with you. But then he, Moses pitches a tent outside and there's grace on its own there that God doesn't totally divorce his people that he has covenanted with them. And, but he, he still meets with Moses face to face in the tent of which that, that phrase on its own doesn't mean that Moses sees God's face. It means uh, if you see the translation it says mouth to mouth, meaning that God communicates directly with him, right? And so people are actually standing outside. If you look, if you looked in the previous verses, they're standing outside, they're waiting expectantly, they're trying to figure out like what is God going to do with us? What is God going to do with us? So they are waiting expectantly as Moses is having this conversation with God. And so this text is going to show us just a dialogue between God and Moses. And, and in there, you get to see five times there is something that's repeated there that God, that, Mo, that God knows Moses and Moses is known by God. But also five times we're going to see that there is a repeated phrase of God's favor and that Moses has found favor in God's sight, right? So that word know is it means that he has a special relationship with God. A special know is a word of intimacy. Uh, if you read in Genesis when they describe and Adam knew his wife, that's really what it's a, it's a word of intimacy. It describes intimacy, but at the same time here, when you're looking, it describes God's closeness to Moses. Uh, to know someone by name is to embrace that person. Um, it, it's, it's a relationship of acceptance and friendship as well. And so that's what knowing is here. And then finding favor, it means being gracious, being generous and kind towards someone, taking pity. Moses is aware of the fact that like he, he does not deserve this interaction with God. It is actually by grace because he knows that he even needs also, he also needs to sacrifice to actually be able to actually, to, to to meet with God as well. He has sins as well. So in the ancient Near East, where this, this text finds itself, um, 
people look to the eyes to discern whether someone was favorably disposed to them or not. Like today, if you greet someone and they're frowning at you, you know that they're not friendly with you, right? And you knew that like, they, they is, is this person kindly disposed to me or not? And especially in the presence of dignitaries like a king, you would know that the king was going was gonna to punish you or was going to actually elevate you by the facial expression that he would have, right? And so here Moses is actually using this as the basis by which he's having a conversation with God. Right, so it was often used as a formality of making requests of one who is assumed to, to have a kindly disposition. So it carried a sense of appreciation for favors that had already been granted. So Moses knows that God is favorable towards him and towards the people because he has seen God. He's heard his, the prayers of his people and he has rescued them and he has brought them this far. So there is actually like he, he knows that like while God is actually angry because of sin and their stubbornness, he still knows that God is gracious, right? And so it carries a sense of appreciation for, for these favors that have already been uh, granted. And then also, it's it just Moses understands that he is an object of covenant grace. That God is keeping his promises that he has made. And so here, God's grace is rooted not in what people do, but in God's disposition to be gracious. This is who he is. And you're going to see it later. Moses is asking for his glory. He's like, give me all the pizzazz and the shebangs and all that stuff. And God says, I'm going to give you my name and my character and who I am. I am gracious, right and this is beyond even any human formula or calculation. This is who God is. And we see that in verse 19. And we're going to get to see it next week when God finally reveals who he is to Moses. So Moses knows that he has received divine favor. But now what he is wondering is, how does this work out in a situation like this? God the situation that says that your people are stubborn and they keep on going back into their sin over and over. And now you're telling me that if you go with us, you're going to destroy us. How does this work? And you get to see the grace of God being the basis by which Moses makes three requests. From verse 12 to 14, he pleads for himself as the mediator. Show me your ways. Verse 15 to 17, he pleads with God to go with them. And then from verse 18 to 23, he wants to know God deeper. And that's as a form of assurance to like God will keep his promises and he will deliver them. And so what you get to see here is what is described in Deuteronomy and Numbers where Moses is actually described, he's described as God communicated with him as a friend. But actually, the scripture is actually going to say that Moses was the most humble man. That on the basis, because you're seeing here where he is having to go, grace humbles you. 
Like where Moses here is going on the basis of grace. And he makes three requests. And let's dive into them real quick. God's grace for Moses is the basis to know God's ways. And I pray that that would be the basis for you. God's, where Moses is saying, it says, he said to God, look. Like, so there's a confidence there. That word look is almost like it's a, it, it's, he's also like saying it in a, in a commanding way, but yet in a very humble way, right? You have said, lead these people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moses is saying, God, you chose me. You called me. But now here I am. Like, I, I still have over a million people that are stubborn and stiff-necked. I cannot do it on my own. That's humility. That, that's humility. I cannot do it on my own. Would you, would you, you've not told me who's going to go. You said there was an angel, but you've not told me. And you've said, I know you by name. You said, we're close, right? We said, we're friends. Can, can, can you just hear me? And you've said that you've, uh, you've, you've found favor in me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, you see, on the basis Please, God, teach me your ways. I, I need some light into this tunnel. I need some way out of this. How are we going to move forward if now you have said that you're not going to go with us? Now consider that this nation is your people. And God replies, my presence will go with you. So Moses here enjoys a special relationship with God and he uses that as the basis by which he approaches God. And in fact, the ways, ways, teach me your ways. There's two ways in which you look at it in the, in the Bible. Ways is actually God's commandments, but that's not what Moses is asking for here. Ways is also in the sense of Isaiah 55, 8, where he's saying, God, this is beyond me. Like, how do we move forward? Isaiah 55, 8 is actually where uh, Isaiah says, for my God, where God says, for my thought are not your thoughts. And, 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 and he says this, your ways are not my ways, right? And this is the Lord's declaration. So Moses here is asking for God's hidden purposes. He says, I have a call to execute, but I don't know how this plays out. Right. I don't know how this plays out. So show me your ways means something like, what, what, what do you have in mind here, Lord? I, I'm more, I am bewildered here. I don't know what's the way forward. What's going on here, God? What are you going to do? Um, what are you going to do, God, in order to move this story forward? And God's response is that, Moses, I am going to go with you. My divine presence is going to go with you. And that word literally translates, my face will go with you. And there when he's saying, I will be with you, he's saying, God, God is saying, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guide you, right? I'm going to take care of you, right? I will be your detail in order for you to make it to point A to point B. I'm going to be with you. And here Moses, and, and we have to kind of go into what's going on in Moses. He's distressed. And because he has heard the bad news that God is not going to go with him. But based on grace, 
Moses goes back and he says, God, would you help me? So my, on the basis of grace received, we also are enabled to seek understanding in distressful and confusing times. Like to ask God to reveal more of his ways. And we have a call. As every one of us have individual calls in life, right? Where we recognize that apart from him, we can do nothing. We, we need his presence with us. And so in order to go, we can look here through Moses that because of what Jesus has done for us, by grace you have been saved, Ephesians 2.8. Now grace is the basis by which we go before God. And we go before God and we say, God, I'm stuck here, but would you by your grace begin to bring me out? I was thinking about it like, so whenever we do something God has called us to do, are we dependent on grace to become our fuel? Or do we try to figure it out on our own? So when it comes to children obeying your parents, and the thing about it is that like if you, if you find yourself hard, if you find it so hard to obey your parents, I'm talking to you kids here, so you can look at me in the eye. If you find it hard for you to obey your parents, it means that you cannot do it on your own. You need God to actually help you. And God's grace has helped you. And then if you find it, if you're finding it hard, God, how is it, how is it possible to serve you and love you in my singleness? How is it to love you? Like while everything else is telling me you need this, this and that, God's grace is able to help you to understand how God's ways uh, can help, how, how God's ways apply to that. Marriage can be hard if you want to learn how to be married. Some of you have probably said, God, show me your ways because this idiot, I'm about to kill him, right? <laughs> right, especially us, man. Like, I always, I sleep terrible. Like, I'm always like, she's probably looking at me saying, what an idiot. He, I could kill him right now. But, but if you want to know how to actually make marriage work, probably like the best way in confusing times, he's saying, show me your ways. Show me your ways. And the God who commands us, the God who calls us, also equips us to do what he has called us to do. That's what we see here. Working a job, working in ministry, we need to pray that God will go with us and to bless us. And then otherwise our efforts are in vain. And so Moses is praying for himself, for his own call here. He's saying, show me your ways. I want to be able to deliver these people. I want to deliver these people. And God actually says, I am going to be with you. And I pray that in your difficult circumstances, whatever it is that you know God has called you to do, that you know looks so daunting, you would hear his voice saying, I am with you till the ends of the age. That's Matthew 28. Amen? And so we see here also, uh, my favorite part here is that God's grace fuels intercession. Look at verse 15. If your present doesn't go, does not go, Moses responded, don't Make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? 
If you are circling something there, uh, I want you to get to see there's a difference where God says, I'm going to go with you. My presence will go with you. And Moses is turning around here. He's recognizing something is missing here, God. You said you will go with me, like to lead the people, but I don't want you to just go with me. I want you to go with us. That's actually what the shifting there in the text. I and your people will be distinguished by, by this from any other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you've asked, for you have found favor with me. And I know you by name. Intimacy and grace, right, is the basis by which God say, okay, okay. Moses keeps pressing but here, I want you to see, the conversation goes like this. Who will go with us, 12 to 13? And God says, I, the Lord, will go with you, singular. With you alone, Moses, I will help you finish your call. And then Moses is like, with me on my own is not enough. It's not a deal, God. I just, I want you to go with it. There's no point in going without you. Please go with us, with your people and me. Your presence with your people makes all the difference. Right? So here, Moses is saying, hey, there's something missing here. He wants to make sure that like the people are also included in there. And God relieves that tension that's going on. And he says, I will constantly be with the people. Right? The reason is because God, God's grace and the fact that he draws us. And that's, that's what God wants to do even with us. And we're seeing here, there's something that like we see, the big word is called intercession. Standing in the gap on behalf of another. Standing and recognizing. Moses is recognizing that he is playing a very crucial role here. And we see him praying for the people in, in chapter 32, verse 11 to 14, and, and 31 to 32, asking God, forgive their sin. Right? And then here in 30, 30, 33, verse 12 to 16, and then later on, you're going to see in 34, verse 9, when God has revealed himself, he says, God, I know they're stiff-necked, but please do not abandon us. Do not abandon us. Go with us. And so the focus here, it, it, it just this, it highlights God's merciful heart. He is willing to forgive. He is willing to forgive the sins of his straying people, based on the appeal of another. Oh, this is good. This, this is good news for you and me, that you and I, your appeal cannot make it to God himself. He is willing to forgive yourself, your sins and my sin, based on the appeal of another. Right? This is, this, it, gets, it gets good because at the same time, you're getting to see that despite all their failures, God forgives his people based on this mediatory presence of Moses and his abounding grace. Right? Like that God. And then when you get to the New Testament, I wonder why I, I've stopped falling in love with the book of Hebrews. Where, where the book of Hebrews says that Christ is better than Moses. 
Moses was going to have to go offer for his own sins. That Christ is a better mediator. That he pleads on behalf of us. Right? On behalf of us. Right? So, you know, in the African culture, um, in my culture, if a gentleman wants to marry a young lady, he cannot go straight to the father. You know, I know a lot of you guys usually go to the father and you ask and you say, hey, could I have your daughter's hand in marriage? And the father gives you that blessing. In Africa, we, we, we're not allowed to do that. In fact, that's a, that's a, that's a big stamp to a no, uh, right? You need to employ another to go plead your case before the father of the bride in order for him. In fact, you will be present most of the time, but you don't talk at all. Like anytime you need to ask a question, you have to ask, you have to, so this is where the role of uncles comes in handy. Right? And then just that, that's, 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 that's it right there. We're literally like, if they're naming the bride prize and all that stuff, literally, and I remember when my in-laws, my father's in-laws, my grandparents would come, my father would literally not be, he would not sit in the same room because that's, that's what we name as taboo. He would not say, sit in the same room to have a conversation. They would sit on the other side, another room. He would sit on this side and they would have a conversation because of reverence. Because you're still acknowledging who they are. And here we're getting to see Moses. It's on the basis of grace here that, that grace received, that we're, that we're empowered, that Jesus, like the grace received through Jesus, the mediator, that we find forgiveness. Jesus' ministry was called an intercessory ministry, right? Where where you get to see here Moses' life paralleled with Jesus. God, where at the end of the day, God did so. He would, re- he would forgive them based on, based on Moses' intercession. And even us today, we cannot save by what we have done. No one can. We are too sinful to merit any salvation. So how can we be saved? God forgives us, right? Right, he forgives us because, because of Jesus, our mediator. Our salvation rests on the delight that God takes on the person of Jesus who goes and pleads our case. That's why those phrases are very important. God is actually already pleased with Jesus, right? Pleased with Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, 17. And pleased with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. God looks and he says, I have found favor in him. That's an echo of Exodus. That's an echo of Exodus and saying that like, this is my son. And in Exodus chapter 3, God says that Israel is my son. 
But in Jesus, where Israel failed in Jesus, where Israel failed, where Moses fails, because Moses doesn't get to see the promised land, where Aaron failed, the high priest failed, Jesus succeeded. When he comes, when he is baptized, God says, here is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He is your exodus out of whatever tunnel, whatever mud, whatever mark and mire, whatever darkness you find it yourself stuck in. This is Jesus. I am well pleased in him. Listen to him. And he, based on what he has done, he frees us. Amen. So Jesus has this now amazing experience where at the cross, while he's bleeding and dying our death and suffering our payment, he says, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. He cries out for our forgiveness. He says, it is finished. There, Jesus was actually doing exactly. He was interceding for us. So that now as our intercessor, our intercessors were like, he, just like Moses here, just like Moses, we're seeing Moses turn down God's presence if it, were, if it were just for him alone. And we see Jesus leaving God's presence, being worshipped. Isaiah 6 kind of just gives you a pre-incarnate picture of Christ. Christ didn't need, to, didn't need anything. Angels are worshipping him and he has everything that he needs. But we see him leaving the presence of God. Jesus would die rather than leave God's people without God. Right, he dies on the cross, so that and then so that's actually like where Jesus and and then this is actually where Jesus is sitting next to the Father and he says, "We want them to taste and see that you are good." And so he comes. Jesus experiences God's absence. He is forsaken so that we might experience God's welcome. On the cross, Mark fifteen thirty four, he says, "My God." My God, why have you abandoned me? And it was all because so that we can now be, what? Accepted. So now what's, what's because of his intercession? Romans 8, 34 says, Now no one has grounds to condemn us and keep us out of enjoying his grace. This is the good news of the gospel here. Who then... Who is the one to condemn us? Christ Jesus. He is the one who interceded on our behalf and he died. But even more, he has been raised. And what is he doing? This is one thing that like you and I, Jesus, there's something that Jesus did and what Jesus is doing for you and I every single day. But he also is at the right hand of the Father and present tense intercedes for us. That, that's one thing that needs to get you going in the tunnels of life. That Jesus constantly, he did not just die for you. It's not a, just like, he did not just die for you. He was raised so that now he intercedes for you and I. Right? He intercedes for you and I. And Romans 8, 26 also says that the Spirit of God also intercedes for you and I. Right? He intercedes. And so you have... Listen, that just tells you that you have. And what, what is that intercession? God, I know that, I know that they have sinned greatly. 
but would you continue to apply my blood on their sins? On their sins, right? And so therefore, Hebrews 7, 25 says, look at this, therefore, he is able not only just to begin a good work in you, Philippians 1, 6, he's not, he, he doesn't do uncompleted projects. I know some of you guys probably have projects at home that you started a million years ago, but like now, now, and you have not finished, but in Jesus, look at the, he is able, when he saves you, he does a complete job. A job that he initiates and inaugurates, gets going at the cross, but that he sustains through his intercessory ministry today in us. Right? He intercedes for us. Completely those who come to him through him since he always intercedes for them, right? So God's presence makes us his people. And that's what makes all the difference. God's presence makes us his people. It makes a very distinct difference. And we see that when you get to the book of Acts and you get to see how God picks up Literally, and this right here, what it has strong parallels to what happens in the book of Acts, where the Spirit takes these people that are just like flawed, timid um, men and women and turns them into a bold community that proclaims His glory. And everyone comes and looks and says, What's different about them? And I love this phrase they realized that they had been with Jesus. God's presence makes all difference. But it also just kind of opens us up to even a ministry that we underestimate as a church. Underestimate, but what if we are being conformed to Christ's image? Christ calls us. The reason why he doesn't save us and take us to heaven right away is that he places us in our homes, in our workplaces, and wherever it is, he places us to join him in the intercessory ministry. He places us to join him in, in praying and making sure that like at the end of the day, um, and, and we're, we're just like Moses here. And we see that kind of a big picture of that. We see it. In Romans chapter 9, verse 1, where Paul looks, same kind of cry that is in Moses. Paul looks and he begins to say, ah, you know what? I was headlong going, thinking I was doing God a favor. I was killing people, doing all that, and God rescued me. But you know what? If God rescued me, I don't want to enjoy this by myself. And then this just kind of just like, I, I don't want to enjoy this by myself. I, I don't, this is not something that I want to enjoy just by myself. And he says this, I speak the truth in Christ. Guys, I'm not lying here. I, I, I'm bringing Christ to be, I'm speaking 
truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul, he's bringing Jesus. He's bringing the Spirit in here and he's bringing his conscience. He's about to say something he genuinely means. And this is actually where now we need to be asking ourselves, is this my response towards those who are lost, dying, who are, who are, who are lost and dying, who are without Christ around me? Listen to this. That I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. What's causing you, Paul? Anguish and great sorrow, right? It's like there's a storm, there's a tornado taking me apart on the inside. For I could wish that I myself would be cursed and cut off from Christ. For the what? For the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. Where Paul here now begins to actually say, this is the intercessory ministry right there. Where Paul says, guys, I don't want to just enjoy this by myself. I want also those that are around me to enjoy it, to enjoy God's presence. Because apart from him, they are lost and they're dying. And I want them to. And I'm willing, if only it was possible, I am willing to be anathema, to be cursed as well so that they can be accepted. Right? That's what Paul says here. So the question is that, do you long for people around you to experience God? So from Moses, who, who is humble because of grace, and for Paul, who is humble before, because of grace, he is coming out of Romans 9.1, he is coming out of just reveling in who God is. There is nothing that shall separate us from the love of Christ. He's coming from that, where he's looking and he says, we are more than conquerors in Christ. And then after that, he's like, but what about my brothers? What about my sisters? What about those that are around me? God, could you help them to taste and to see that you are good? So there's power in intercession. How, how do you know God is inviting you to this ministry? How do you know he's inviting you to this ministry? I'm going to walk through this and we'll pick up on the next point next week because it ties on very well. So, because there's going to be a lot more here. How do you know God is inviting you into the intercessory ministry? I want to start maybe with husbands and wives. You know, one of the reasons why you're probably mindful of the inconsistencies of your husband is that you have to kind of stop and say, who's revealing this to me? Who is revealing this to me? Who is showing me that, wow, fear has really gripped you? Who's revealing to me that, wow, this is your idol? Whether it's husband, wife, and then what we end up doing is that we end up taking those very things and then going and using them to actually as weapons against them. And we miss out that if the Spirit of God lives inside with you, maybe that is actually how the Spirit of God is saying, come with me. 
I, I've chosen you. I've put you two together. So I'm showing you what I want to do next in your husband's life, in your wife's life. And then so would you begin to enter into a, the intercessory ministry? Jesus is interceding and he wants to see them ready and looking like Jesus Christ. And he's calling you also to partner with him. And you're using it maybe as a weapon to cripple that person instead of actually acknowledging that the Spirit is also stirring you up and saying, would you pray with us that like this addiction would lose its grip in your husband's life or in your wife's life, this inconsistency and all that stuff. How do you know when you are aware of things that you wouldn't have been aware of and all of a sudden in those that you love? That's God inviting you and saying, wow, that's, that's really a big deal in you. And he's inviting you. So examine what you are most aware of. Examine your frustrations and your complaints. A lot of times it's so easy for us to now, instead of actually like to, 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 to kind of enter into a symphony that like where God is saying, hey, that's what I want to do in that person's life. And all of a sudden we start going. That's where gossip comes from. Gossip comes from that way. It's so easy to talk about other people and complain about other people to other people and talk about like, man, like, and then just saying that that's just so and so. And that's where Jesus says, do not judge. Don't put a lead on what God is destined to be conformed to his image. Don't put a lead to that. You are noticing that because he's inviting you into his intercessory ministry. Like, let me talk to us as a church. When you see the inconsistencies in a church, it's so easy to just make powwows and sit down and complain about why this church, what it should be doing and all those things that are wrong and all that. And not only that, even audaciously send an email to me or somebody else and stuff and then just don't not realize maybe that's one of the, God is calling you to be an Anna or a Simeon or to be actually interceding until I see men, women, children discipled and conformed to the image of his son. I'm not only just going to talk about it, but I'm going to intercede. And if they don't see my perspective, maybe God hasn't revealed to them yet. Maybe that's why he's inviting me and saying, that's your part to play in the body. You are aware. You are that. You are that. You, 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 you are that appendix that's showing, hey, there's pain in the body. And then pray. Pray, pray as a church so that you will see that complaining will not help, but prayer will invite the God who made heavens and earth to come and do what you cannot do, what I cannot do, to come and do the impossible. Amen? That, that, that's what's coming out of here, right? And I am here to say that there is a joy that I'm jealous for you and I'm jealous for me as well because I'm also a complainer. There's a joy that we forfeit if we neglect this intercessory ministry. There's a joy, right? Because sometimes, uh, someone called me this week and I'm going to put him on the spot. Call me this week. He's no longer here. Church moved away. My friend Scott Borett and... And we sat down and like there was a time, Larry and the elders remember, there was a time when he was taking his CPA exam. 
He was just so, everything was just kind of, he was almost like in a whirlwind of anxiety and everything. And we were praying with him. And, and I was like, Scott, let's just fast and let's pray. Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray for this. And then, you know, yesterday he called me and he's like, you will not believe what God just did. And now he started his own firm. Now he's, there's a million things I like where he was like, hey, I just signed this kind of contract. And I was like, Scott, stop, stop for a second. Can we just meditate on how God has been so good in here? Do you remember that time when this, this, and that? And we prayed and we did that. And he was like, isn't that crazy? Like that, I just couldn't see that. And, and just like there's a joy that we forfeit when we, because you could just stand outside and just say, wow, what a, what a ball of a mess there. I, I just, this person is like, it's, what, what, whatever is going on there, I don't want to be part of that. Or you can enjoy where the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, come. So my prayer is that like out of this also, we would begin to actually say, wow, I'm aware of that. Who's speaking? There's two ways you can actually like, it's going to be Satan inviting you to begin to actually what? To slander the body, to slander your wife, to slander oh, and even with your children. Or it could be an invitation of like the same power that lives within me, that, 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 that raised Christ from the dead lives within me. And you know what? He's inviting me to a work. And then all of a sudden, and what a joy it is to say, me and my wife usually stop and we look at each other and we're like, hold on. Can we stop for a second? That's God's grace working. We, we never used to be able to talk about this without fighting. Now we're talking about it and you're okay and I'm okay. Nobody's uptight. God is working. And then after that, we cue up the music and then we... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and I pray that this would be our church. Amen. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, would you come? And Lord, would you use your word to transform our lives. God, in the things that you've called us to, thank God that we, thank you, Lord, that we have your grace as the basis by which we can approach you. Lord, thank you that, Lord Jesus, you, you answer us and you equip us so that, Lord, we may be able to understand your ways. But Lord, even as a church right now, would you help us, Lord, to see even where you are inviting us to be intercessors, to, to pray until, so that, Lord, that, that, that joy that is with Simeon, that joy that is with Anna, those two that just prayed and prayed, fasted and prayed until they saw Said, now my eyes see the salvation of the Lord. Would you help us to be that kind of church, Lord, that will get in the trenches of whatever is going on in the lives of one another through intercession and would commit to do that until you have done what you came to do to conform us to the image of your Son. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this message from City Church, located in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. We hope God meets you where you are and doesn't leave you, but changes you through the work of His Son. For additional information, please visit citychurchpa.org.